Hi, I'm Alan Watt, and this is CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and .net at the moment. I guess that's common to the net. I'm in the process of adding mirror sites, which will enable me to hopefully stay up there should any of the other ones be pulled, which can happen at any time in our wonderful free society, where we soon find out the price of free speech, depending on what we say. This is February the 14th, 2007. Uh, Please watch the site for more mirrors as I hopefully add them to them, or add to them. I've been terribly busy here with the emails. I can't really cope with so many of them. And never mind just getting through the average day. Doing the things you have to do, which everyone has to do. It certainly adds up. And I had no idea when I began all of this, really how far it would go. In fact, I wasn't even certain if there were so many people out there who would be interesting in what I had to say. We're living in a punch-drunk society, a society where we've been conditioned in an almost schizophrenic fashion bombarded with techniques of mind control uh, trained still in the old-fashioned system which served the purpose for an elite during the industrial age were trained through the same training even though we're we're almost post-technological never mind post-industrial since most of the technology has been passed out to countries like China by design. Yet we're still trained in little black and yellow school buses, the bees, to be carted off from your little mini-hive, your cell, off to school. In school is taken from a school of fish. Fish all move at the same time, you'll notice, when you watch minnows and little groups of them. They all seem to move at the same time, all coordinated, like an orchestra conducted by the conductor. And that's how you're trained. And you're taught to compete at school, competition. And it's all training you to get out into a workforce and compete and grab your share by any means possible and just don't go too far breaking laws it's much more easy to be crafty and devious if you're very devious and crafty and you join the right associations you can you can get on in life that's what all secret societies have always been involved in regardless of the particular reason for starting them even if it's for oppression at times they end up corrupt and they're always started off by Freemasonry 
as they, they just create new branches to do to deal with this part of society or this time in, in, in history. They admit it themselves that they eventually become corrupt. And we see the corruption everywhere. Little clubs that are formed at universities, little associations that you're initiated into if you're dumb enough to do it. And you give your word and your bond and then you're tied to secrecy. And if you keep your mouth shut, you'll benefit and you get on in life and you get all the contracts and business or you get up the, the ladder of the legal system, which is tremendously lucrative. It's a business. And ultimately, you know, all money comes from work, from labor, which in turn, as the big boys know, since they gave us Karl Marx, uh, labor is where all produce comes from. You produce through labor work. And governments collect that into a big pool, big honey pot, and they help themselves to it. So it's the biggest bank in the world, really, is, is, is government. It takes. It can also sign whole generations who are yet unborn down as guarantors of future payments on a present day loan. Thomas Jefferson, being no dummy and being a member of the high lodges in France and in America, said the same thing. They can tell you a truth without giving you their verdict on it. And he said that a generation born in with the, the bondage of paying off a debt incurred by previous generations is therefore a slave generation and that's true if you're born into a debt how can you be born free and be put down as a guarantor of a debt that was incurred 150 years ago or, or longer or even in the previous generation you had nothing to do with it and that's where the legal side of the fiction breaks down because they will pretend through voting that you vote them in however if you haven't been born yet you couldn't have voted them in and they'll never answer that question however it's in the old lodge book the lodge book uses their masonic bible with the old testament with all the rules in it and slavery is quite acceptable in the old testament you can sell yourself into bondage and your children and your children's children to pay off a debt, supposedly. All to please this wonderful deity. They liked his breakfast burned in the morning, and he couldn't get enough of it. And that ran the world for an awful long time. How many countless generations were downloaded with this preaching and indoctrination and that was their whole reality for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years the law they called it the law is a wall I liked the the devil's advocate the movie where Al Pacino 
is supposedly the devil. It's a good story. It's got a lot of allegories in there too. And he owns the largest lawyer corporation in New York. And he tells his son, who doesn't know he is his son yet, that the way the world has been taken over is through lawyers and law. He says armies of them are being produced every year all over the world. Armies of lawyers. And this is where we are today. Because we cannot say that the world system is illegal. They have made everything which they do legal. It's just simply immoral, you see. It's morally bankrupt. And that's the difference. Those who've studied societies, and all societies, and all religions, can see the phases that we go through. And they'll also realize that the elite of any age or period or country don't perish. They move on to the next transitional phase, always running it from behind the scenes with a a similar system which must be based on something which we think is a unit of exchange, for instance, money, in order to keep control of it, even though you can keep idiots believing that they're in control of it by telling them they're free. This is the trick that's used to get masses to work for them and never know what's really going on. There's no system, in fact, you could go into that hasn't been tried before, like a, like, a, like circles or cycles of them. And much of it is hidden within the religions, if you really understand what you're reading. The, there's, there, there are three paths always, the exoteric, the esoteric, and then an, a deeper inner path. It's not quite one or the other. It's another way. It takes data from both and and formulates another way, the third way. If you look at ancient China, you'll find that every system, which today we'd call fascism or communism and capitalism, And all the isms had been tried in ancient times for long periods and observed and noted by the experts of that day and archived for future use. In the times of Confucius you had, and I call it Confuse Us because it's quite interesting the way it's written, Confucius supposedly, apart from all the mythology of his birth and how righteous he was, who simply is a man who wanted to simply help the world, and so he's made to almost walk on water, meaning he's an illumined one, because the sun can be seen to walk on water at sunset if you live near the coast before it sets. And anyway, Confucius 
just wanted to get up there and they couldn't get a high position supposedly in administrative capacity because he was so darned honest and the people who ran that system were so dishonest so he got petty positions supposedly on the one hand he gave all the right way to live the right way for social functioning to to work all the, 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 the do's and don'ts which they always do always get these given to us and every country's had their version of it and their founding mythological hero to get the public to go along the masses to go along with uh, the agenda run by very wise men at the top now the public always think of a permanence a stability of a system because our lives are so short and whatever data is fed into us uh, like history tends to keep you that way they don't give you a continuity of long eons of time that's reserved for select a select few within every nation if you understand the eons or ages of time you can understand how you can use people until things don't work anymore everything is so corrupt because as the king goes so do the people since we emulate we mimic what we see at the top it comes to a stage where everything is so corrupt it doesn't work the Soviet Union got like that eventually where I know people who visited countries like Poland while they were under the rule to visit relatives who were in hospital and they had to bribe the staff to change the linen of the relatives who could be lying in urine and so on that's the stage that you reach when you can't go any further with it nothing nothing really works and all this has been tried thousands of years ago as I say with China it has been tried with those who gave the, the ideals of Brahma in India who kept the records of the ages and they give an exoteric for the public even still today and an esoteric for those who want to follow the paths but as I say there's a third way and you have to understand both to see it people react throughout their lives to situations mainly because on a conscious level they don't plan them they adopt patterns of behavior they adopt modes of behavior and tradition tradition when it's changing to a new tradition is a dysfunctional period where people are trying to emulate the old and they can't fathom out why it doesn't work the data is there as to why it doesn't work and all the indoctrinations that have made individuals dysfunctional is also out there too and that's why you have an incredible growth in those who pretend uh, to handle the dysfunctions all the therapists and professionals and counsellors 
of the Dr. Phils who can solve your problem in one hour on television. And again, television is fiction. But it's more real to many people today than reality. They say there's nothing new under the sun. And there truly isn't. Public-private initiatives, as are called today, is a very old technique. There's nothing new really in it at all. It's where the public put in their labor in the forms of money that's taken from them to build large building projects. The Masons love building projects. That's what it's all about. There's always building new and bigger and better and building bridges between countries and peoples and, and all that stuff. And sometimes they build real bridges, at least pay their cronies to design them. And the public do. They pay, that is. And then it's handed over to a private corporation because they tell you, well, it's going to cost so much to maintain. So in the public-private partnership deals, it's written to the new owners who buy the bridge or whatever for a song, a token, uh, that the public will maintain it. So you, the public pay the costs of maintenance. They also pay tolls all the time, even though their tax money built the bridge in the first place. And this is called a better way. A better way. And it is a better way for those who own the, the bridges. It's much more convenient not having to put out some of your profit uh, to maintain something, this public-private business. And we're told this is a better hive, the hive for the bees, than the previous one. But it's really always been there. In Europe, especially in Britain, which still goes under the crown, this, this nefarious, odd, obscure definition where on the one hand you're told the crown really has no power anymore in a democratic society, it's a titular head which can make suggestions but truly it can't make any decisions that's what we're told and yet every person who works for government and especially those guys with Masonic chessboard on their helmets called the police and who are all Freemasons can hit you on the head and make you do something or else lock you up in prison if you don't follow the rules of the crown because they've sworn allegiance to the crown this this obscure thing that doesn't exist and or sort of exists and has no real power and and if you go into the commonwealth countries uh, that's australia new zealand canada and so on you'll find that the land which is park land and all the rest of it comes under the crown it's crown land, this obscure term which doesn't apply today, as I say, because they're just a, a figurehead of a, a system and the real powers in the democratic institutions. However, this same crown knights those who serve the democratic institutions, uh, whether politicians or high-level bureaucrats, or very exceptional police chiefs or something like that so it, it seems to mean a lot to them 
And no one's ever voted in the crown. We've never had a vote on that. Recently, I've read about one of the projects. Well, I knew about it quite a few years ago, in fact. But someone sent it in. And it's it's from the Telegraph News. Two thousand and three, I believe, June the fourth, and a little article was put in there about a public-private partnership deal, where the judges who are trying the case of a, a civil rights campaigner were asked by the campaigner if they were Freemasons. And this is a little story that was written by Ossian uh, Cram, or Oslan Cram, I believe his name is. This is a little example of the corruption we have. But it's not really corruption, it's moral corruption, you see, it's, but it's legal because there's no laws against it, I suppose. It could be speculative if that were the case. Three judges yesterday refused to reveal whether they were Freemasons after being challenged by a veteran human rights campaigner. Now this campaigner goes under a pseudonym called Robbie the Pict. A Pict, that's P-I-C-T. This isn't in the paper, but I'll explain what a Pict is. A Pict, uh, or the Pictsai, were the people who inhabited Scotland and parts of what's now northern England when the Scots came in the Scots were the Gales who came in through Ireland from the west so that was a western Gale you might say and they intermarried with the Picts who used to paint themselves with pictures and when you saw them moving around in the highlands you'll realize that Scotland invented moving pictures long before Hollywood ever got the idea. And these were talkies too. However, uh, this campaigner under his pseudonym is called Robbie the Picts. Robbie the Picts put the question to judges hearing his complaint that a secret society of senior figures in the Scottish establishment is undermining the impartiality of the judicial system. He believes that judges who are members of the speculative society could have influenced cases against him during his long-running campaign against tolls on the privately operated Isle of Skye Bridge. They're into the building huge bridges, you see. They'd made one in Canada uh, on, the, on the eastern coast of Canada. It's miles long to an island. Prince Edward Island and that's also public-private and they pay tolls on that one too they're doing this all over the place it's very lucrative and uh, Robbie here is talking about the speculative society now the speculative society is a Masonic society which uh, I think goes back to the uh, University of Edinburgh 
where the old school tie comes into play, where they all meet each other and become initiated into masonry. And they have many different branches you can, or sub-branches you can then go into. In Freemasonry, you have operative masons and you have speculative masons. That's what they're called by masons. The speculative part of it has taken on a new meaning because, or maybe it's not so new, because they speculate on where they can get the best bang for their bucks for investments, etc. They help each other out with the old school tie. And once again, it isn't illegal at the moment, this conflict of interest. So, here's this guy being tried by judges who are a member of this speculative society of Freemasons uh, who are charging him and trying his case against having to pay tolls on this bridge. The campaigner said that Sir Ian Noble chairman of the Sky Bridge Company was a member of the same organization and also suggested that the 250 year old debating club that's what they used to call them had Masonic connections Uh, there's no suggestion about that uh, at all appearing at the court of session in Edinburgh yesterday before Lords Gill, Kirkwood and Wheatley, these are all lords this old feudal system from the Norman system Lord Gill, Kirkwood and Wheatley this a trinity for you he demanded to know whether they were Freemasons this is what he asked have you ever taken the oath for the purpose of entering into Masonic Association that was Robbie after a few moments of silence Lord Gill, the Lord Justice Clark this is a bigwig asked him to continue reading his speech and said we are certainly not going to answer that question right now which is the right Masonic response actually you that are supposed to get up and walk away but it's harder for a judge to do that when he's trying the case the protester replied that is as much as I wish to upset your lordships the rest is downhill because he knew where it would go from there a clique is going to try you and they're going to get their way with you but I'll be true to the song I sing and live and die The latest case follows his conviction in 1998 for failing to pay bridge tolls. He claims the collectors of the toll do not have proper authority and his argument that no cases involving the bridge should be heard by society members. He wants membership of the group considered against the background of a dozen failed appeals in his anti-toll campaign. Raymond Doherty, QC. QC in the Commonwealth countries means Queen's Council. That's a lawyer who's done business for the Crown at some time or another. Legal business. So Raymond Doherty, QC Advocate Deputy, another old title there, 
produced a list of members from an internet site to show the spec was not a secret society. That's the, the speculative society. The society's own literature describes it as a secret brotherhood bound by intangible ties of shared loyalty and common tradition. Then it goes on to say, a judgment will be issued at a later date. Now, you can go on to links from this particular site, Telegraph, which will actually give you the list of members from, I think, 2004 onwards. And they're all bigwigs and lords and judges and top lawyers and, in other words, the top system and people who get knighted for being terribly good, that kind of thing. But there's nothing new in this, you see. Here you are in a system riddled by a, a Freemasonry, which has been clever enough to disguise itself with many different little branches connected to the main lodge to try and keep the people steering clear of the main lodge, the fact that they're all Freemasons. And they help themselves. They run the justice system, justice, just us system. That's what they run. And if you go against them, they'll put you on ice, just ice. That cools you off. That's why they call it the cooler, the prison. But there's nothing new in corruption, you see, to do with the affairs of humanity in a, a system which has broken down into many systems from tribal systems and the new systems are based on money and profit which allay the fears of poverty it allays the, 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 the fears of starvation um, unable to afford health care that kind of stuff money is a key because the system is run on fear so fear unfortunately is the motivating force for the corruption that we see all around us and that's why when people are terribly afraid they're prone to be used by dictators who will say everything they'll voice all of your concerns for you things which you've been thinking and discussing with others they will voice them very clearly, succinctly, and you'll follow them, and then you give allegiance to them, only to find out that the persons and the people at the top are so full of fear themselves, fear of being overthrown eventually, uh, that they come down on you. And, and they always benefit themselves. They'll plunder the country, in fact, at your expense. This is also just history. And we find this going right back to a very old ancient system which introduced money. From money came standing armies. You can't have a standing army without money. It doesn't matter what form it takes. You need money to, to tax it from the people to pay and keep and train and hold a standing army. It's hard to get a volunteer militia where everybody in the, the country is a member to, to, to leave their homes and go and fight for something they don't quite understand 
halfway across the world. But you can do anything with a standing army because a standing army in peacetime are they're mercenaries, you see. There's still little boys who run around forests going bang bang, you're dead with toy guns. Which is a tribal thing to, to, to play these types of games. However, very old men know how to manipulate the, the feelings of very young men. And if they can grab you early enough, they will get you into a uniform, the one form, uni, one form. And you'll do their bidding for them, never knowing what, who's really benefiting. And most folk don't ask the questions. And then you can run around the, amongst the trees with uh, uniforms on, with real guns going bang, bang, you're dead. It's, uh, it's been able to grab an immature phase in every man early enough before he matures and gets wiser. That's why old men create wars for young men to fight. The old men benefit and uh, their offspring and families and dynasties benefit. Nothing new in it at all. And then official historians are hired to write the histories on behalf of the victor. Nothing new, new in that either. As I say, there's nothing new under the sun. The techniques, as I say, can go be traced back and tried and tested in different countries like India and China who tried them all and they, they, they went to see how far each type of system could last before it was so corrupt that nothing worked and so even that is down to a fine art they know they must always keep appearing to change it to a next system and they work on it to get the public to accept the new system it's very much like if you imagine time being railroad tracks and they set off a locomotive hauling a huge long train like the China Express that passes me every day tremendous force to get that train moving with two or more engines in front and once they get it moving, they have to judge when to apply the brakes long before they stop. And that's kind of like the systems we live through over the eons of time. Very clever people with histories and archives of histories as opposed to public libraries. And who are really a priesthood in themselves. Have access to all this information and they can... They can decide when to plunder a society for, for a while under some guise until the public catch on and things don't work. Well, rather than wait till the end, till they lose control, they set up the next phase, the next system, and, and sell that to the public. And for a while that will work too, as it builds up momentum. And then they start applying the brakes. So they must always have the next system ready and working as they're starting to apply the brakes, that's how it works. If they let it get, go to the very end and start all over again, they'd lose control of it. It would take forever to get it moving again. And that is the system. 
the great builders of ancient times, the standing army, the taxation, the cities, city-states, the artificial systems, Plato called them the beehive city-states, where once you have people within those walls and you train a generation, you can make them believe anything and make them believe anything is normal. And they generally will never question it. And we see that today, we've all been brought up the same way, really. But within those artificial systems, once you get them from a real system, which is either nomadic or agrarian, settled, scattered families or tribes, part of really a greater tribe, you can make the city the artificial people who must have money to live because they can't grow anything, they can't even feed themselves on their own. And to produce anything, they must use money to pay for it, anything they made building. That's why Nimrod is glorified by all mystery religions as the big builder. And once you have a money system and a taxation system, you can then carry on your big building projects through conquering peoples with your standing army, filling your coffers with nine-tenths for me and one for the state. That's how they do it. And then they go on to the next country and plunder, and they call it empire building, until you reach the stage which we're pretty well at now is the global empire, the big honey pot, where everybody and everybody's child is down as collateral forever because it can't be paid off with uh, compound interest, all the debts incurred. It's a, a numbers racket, as they used to call the gambling. Carefully designed, with the full knowledge that parents single or, or, or two-parent families are so caught up in the world and trying to get through, they'll never figure it out themselves. They don't have time. They're so stressed out, they just want to be hypnotized by television when they come home. And they want the state to take care of their child for them through daycare and schooling. And then they wonder why they can't recognize the child anymore when it has these strange opinions and values all given to them by the state. Exactly as Bertrand Russell said in his book, written after he experimented with his own schools by the Crown, permission of the Crown. His book was called Education and the Good Life. It's a term they often use for their system. The public means, think they mean themselves. We're all going to have the good life. But it never did, because Russell never ever considered the average person anywhere as his own equal. None of them do. And now for a little talk on the chemtrails, the new phenomena which were being acclimatized to as being the new normal. Uh, those who still retain some memory might remember 
prior to about 95, even further back in fact in the US because they were testing there before everybody else. Uh, definitely 98 in Canada when they signed the Open Skies Treaty. All the countries which signed it are being sprayed like crazy and those who didn't sign it are being left alone. And you can do searches on which countries signed it. It's a very vague document meant to be intentionally vague because we're not supposed to really know what it's all about. You'll sometimes see, for instance, the spraying in the skies where they're spraying 20 or 30,000 feet or so. And you'll see these smaller aircraft, much, much lower, coming along. Well, they're testing the air to test the mix to see if there's the right mix in the atmosphere. Constant feedback to this uh, global system, is this global air force the, 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 the Freemasons of the air, the scientific elite that would run the world according to H.G. Wells, in shape of things to come. Well, it's here, and they had to be making this stuff for many, many years uh, with all the big familiar names, the chemical companies involved, to store it all, to spread on such a massive basis. But it brings me back to Dewey, John Dewey, who was the first one to talk about uh, if only there was a threat from out there, meaning outer space. At least that's what the people were made to think at the time. Uh, the world would have to come together to fight a common enemy. And the UFO thing was pushed big time to get everybody into that, to invasions from outer space and all these sci-fi programs and movies and series on television, which got everybody thinking, oh, it's aliens, and my goodness, and they could invade us all. And they put out tremendous movies on this kind of thing, how we'd have to come under a, a global government, because we're just too stupid and primitive to to handle our sciences. Our, our intellect had run away with our ability to perceive and control and do the right thing. We're still too primitive in nature. Like the old Hindu expression that we're victims of our own intelligence. Well, we're certainly are victims, but what the question is at our own intelligence because we're like computers who are programmed. You ask a programmer of a computer a particular question, and if he knows the language of that computer and he programmed this logic, he should be able to tell you the conclusion the computer must arrive at. And we are no different. We think along the same ways. This is understood, always has been, long before we were given electronic computers. We come at conclusions which are preordained through our logic and what we're taught. This tremendous spraying is the threat from out there that Ronald Reagan and others prattled on about many times, the same Dewey type speech. It's global warming. It's the sun. It's, it's ultraviolet rays. 
And since maybe the 60s and speeding up from then, you had the slow rising drumbeat of skin cancer being hyped by the medical professions worldwide. to the, the average person living in their own little life which is a short span of time where you can be stampeded into panic quite easily by because we think everything's always been this way and it hasn't many ice ages have come and gone and you have warming periods between them otherwise you'd have one continuous ice age this is Understood. It was it was taught in, in junior school books when I was at school that you couldn't expect a climate ever to remain static, as we're taught nowadays. It's supposed to be static. You see, as though it's a clockwork mechanism. Even though we don't go round in a perfect circle around the sun, or even really in the same path every every year, it's always changing a little bit different influences of gravities in the long procession this is also understood but however sciences can, can start taking away knowledge too and then uh, confusing you for nefarious ends and we, we see the threat now that with, with the oh my goodness it's, people are getting skin cancer as well Prior to the, definitely the Hollywood era, people did not go to beaches and, and burn themselves to crisps by sunbathing. That's a fairly recent phenomena. If you look at the fashions of periods just before that, you'll find the same thing. People did not dress and expose much skin to the sun. They had more common sense. They didn't go by the same fashions when they were living in or on the country and in the country. They were practical people and they wore big hats to shade their, themselves from the sun. The whole burning yourself to get a suntan, as I say, has been a, a commercially created phenomena and hyped up through glamour and magazines and movies to make the public emulate the stars, etc. It used to be quite funny to watch people, people who had bought, especially in Britain where you had so much rain and, and clouds, they'd buy these infrared um, lamps and ultraviolet lamps and they'd sit in front of them with their little glasses on and they'd have these owl faces with the, the white skin around the eyes and the red faces and then later on they wonder why they were developing skin cancers then the sun tanning facilities came out the clubs you could join and you could go and bake yourself in there and then lo and behold you have skin cancers and everyone's forgotten that eventually they had to put warnings and, and come out and admit, yeah, it's causing skin cancer, all these 
these sun tanning facilities but it doesn't affect the young because the young still want to copy what they see uh, never realizing that what they see on television is fake they want to look like this hero or famous or new idol who come and they come and go all the time you can't keep up with them because you can't keep them very long in a, a, a stage where you want young to, to always concentrate on the young they're always going for the next group and the next group of the young to indoctrinate them they bypass the elderly they don't care about them they've been effectively put out of the picture as far as power and input go so we're, we're seeing the chemtrails you see and the people the few people who are aware of them because they actually look up most people you'll find and it's scary to find this most people have never looked up and that's why they think you're talking nonsense when you point out these aircraft with their crisscrossing the sky and that amazing mushy stuff that's left behind and then you have red eyes and itching or burning in your eyes depending on the mix that day it's a multi-purpose function I'm sure to do with harp control and maybe even sedating the public sometimes during heavy spraying everyone's just tired very tired and we will never be told the whole truth of what's going on this little article because I've mentioned this before that the children were being taught in school and that NASA had put out a documentary I think uh, that was being shown to try and make the children think this was a normal phenomena all this crisscrossing of the sky so that they grew up always thinking it was normal that tells you that this is to be an ongoing intergenerational operation which is interesting too in another point of view because in ancient history or mythologies of the Middle East and even in old Judaism they talked about a time when the sun could never be seen that the, that the earth was enveloped within a cloud massive cloud, all cloud and there could be a link there somewhere to the old story that nothing is new under the sun this little report I'm going to read was put out by Sanity for Sane, Sale Sanity for Sale at wordpress.com some of their information is alright other stuff is well it's just not verifiable or it's got a spin on it for agendas and this was put out uh, January 31st 2007 and it's called chemtrail sunscreen taught in US schools it begins with A is for apple B is for boy and C is for chemtrails at least this is what one American father found while paging through his child's science book SMT was astonished to find 7th graders being taught about chemtrails and geoengineering their home planet 
anyone with questions about the spray programs, he now says, should perhaps just ask there. He says kids, it should be children, because kids are young goats. The dehumanizing process that Lenin talked about by the use of words. The chemtrails section is found in the Center Point Learning Science 1, Essential Interactions Science Book. Now, I don't know if that's, I haven't checked that out. Under Solutions for Global Warming, Section 5.19 features a photo of a big multi-engined jet sporting a familiar orange-red paint scheme. And the caption reads, Figure 1. Jet engines running on richer fuel would add particles to the atmosphere to create a sunscreen. The logo on the plane says Particle Air. Pa. I kid you not, SMT insists. Why did I spend all of that time doing research when I could just have asked my children? Then at the picture of the usual crisscrossing, it's rather good, it's like knots and crosses, which I've seen. It says, helping to habituate children to a life under lethal sunshine and protective spray planes, this trippy textbook urges young readers to use sunblock but its authors are referring to a sunscreen spread across the sky. Could we deliberately add particles to the atmosphere as the the text before helpfully suggesting that burning coal adds soot to the air? You might be old enough to recoil at such a notion, but in a country where down is up and wrong is right, your children could be learning that what used to be bad and a bummer is now a good thing. So, that's a little bit on on that, but I know that NASA, for instance, was definitely putting out a a sort of documentary to be shown in schools, junior schools, on this very thing. Intergenerational, obviously, they're going to step up this program, and I've noticed even here in the winter, where the stars, and this is one of the joys of living, and you can generally, or used to be able to generally find joy in all kinds of seasons. You could find tremendous joy even in a cold, cold night outside, looking up at a a crystal clear sky with billions of diamond-like stars to inspire you and to get you beyond the religions of the world which are so obviously man-made into a sort of contact with something way beyond and much bigger the awe it inspired mind you might challenge the state because it must be all powerful when it has no competition and it's pretty well thrown away all the religions it gave us before when it was useful. Now, at night, even when it's supposed to be a clear sky, it's not. You're only seeing more one-third of the stars you should see, even less, night after night. You've got this kind of haze. When the temperature drops to 20, 30 below, that never happened before, you always had clarity because all the moisture comes down 
onto the ground and you're left with this clear, clear sky. Well, not anymore. So they haven't just mushed it up during the day. They have mushed it up pretty good at night too. Massive program. Massive program. Worldwide. And we're not supposed to know about it. As I say, they bypass the adults and they indoctrinate the children who are going to grow up thinking this is all quite normal. The older ones will die off. This is how it's always been. What a world we live in, indeed, where most of what really goes on is decided behind closed doors. All the important stuff. Always. Trivia is given to the media, the men in the middle, who peddle it to us. And diversions. And even exposés. So many diversions. And you could chase them forever. And people think, well, it's impossible to fool so many people. It must be a, an alien intelligence that's doing this. Well, here's the thing. What man can unravel, that tells you right there, man can create. You don't need an alien intelligence. You do need what they call the wisdom of the ages, which is incredible knowledge. And specialists trained in that knowledge. And we have been run fairly openly under this kind of system for quite some time. It used to astound people to find out that that what they, which they fought for and even rebelled, which takes a lot to get people to rebel, what they rebelled against, never came into fruition the way they envisaged it. And that's no coincidence because it truly is the grand chessboard where you're used for other purposes. The initial move that you make is not the final intent of those who control the board. But they need the people to only see the next move. And that, because of our short lifespans, is why it works so effectively. Plus, today it's even more effective than it used to be because the age groups were deliberately segregated. There's no input of the elderly, and even those who are becoming old have been so conditioned they have no wisdom to pass on, at least for the most people in a way. They've believed that what they grew up in was quite natural, and they went through their hectic lives and got stressed and burned, etc., doing so, and didn't notice what was happening to their own children. So they're left tremendously confused. 
most people don't question they, they react as I say that's about the end of my time for tonight I hope you're all doing well don't panic about things you're up against a system which is incredibly old you can't simply reverse something and you wouldn't want to simply reverse it you must do something outside of that which you're expected to do and it takes time all the best from me and Hamish and may your God or gods go with you Don't let the sun catch you crying The night's the time for all your tears Your heart may be broken tonight But tomorrow in the morning light Don't let the sun Catch you crying The nighttime shadows disappear And with them go all your tears All the morning will bring joy Catch you crying We know the crying's not a bad thing But stop your crying hard to discover that you've been left for another but don't forget that love's a game and it can always come again oh don't let the sun Catch you crying Don't let the sun catch you crying Oh no Oh, oh, oh